world of real and virtual auto sport meets. Mad Sim Racing Media presents the Into the Apex podcast. And it's Into the Apex. Tyler joined by Patrick Stein from Mad Sim Racing Media. And we're joined by a special guest today, Garrett Maines. Uh, Garrett Maines drives for Elliott Sadler Esports in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola series on iRacing. Uh, driving the number two Toyota Camry, sponsored by OfferPad, Smithfield Foods, Linux, and CompServe. Uh, so, Garrett, we uh, are very glad to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, so, obviously, you're, you've reached kind of the the top tier in iRacing for oval racing in particular, and we'll get into some of your other experiences in iRacing uh, as we go along. But uh, it only makes sense to kind of start from the beginning. Uh, starting where you kind of what got you into uh, iRacing uh, and and kind of the early days for you uh, in this this journey that you've been on. Uh, well, my dad had been doing sim racing for a while. He did go-karting for years, but um, mm. he had a G27 and I had a desk with a shelf for my feet. <laughs> Definitely, too, it was too short to go to the floor. So I had uh, I had the pedals up on a shelf and did that for a couple years. And just, you know, it was kind of a casual thing, just having some fun. I uh, got to the point where, you know, I got a rig and I upgraded the rig, upgraded again. <laughs> then I got yeah. a sim seat, got a direct drive. Absolutely love it. Um, just, you know, it's gotten more and more serious. And over the last couple of years, I've, you know, got hooked up with a really good group of guys. And, you know, we've kind of gone team to team, but, you know, we got the Elliott Sadler Esports. And I think that's where we're, we're going to stay. We've had a really good run in there for the last, you know, about, I think we're coming up on a year now. We've done Road to Pro, Pro. Now we're in the Coke series and you know, it's it's been a good journey. Yeah, it's it certainly has. And, and I mean starting in those first first days on iRacing and and looking back at uh maybe some of the growing pains. We've talked with some of the drivers that we've interviewed about growing pains with the rookie series and uh progressing up. Is there anything you look back on like big moments, uh first wins, things like that, different classes or, or license progressions where you really something clicked uh, for you i had actually done some uh some real life racing before i got on i racing uh, i can't remember um i guess yeah okay so i did arena racing for three years prior to i racing i mm. i racing's like somewhere in the middle of it all <laughs> um i'd already you know ran won three championships and in, in that so i got on here just kind of you know to be able to practice for like the next step Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I was, you know, the man when I got on and went in fourth <laughs> and fifth split. I mean, it was going good. And then we got yeah. up and got humbled real quick. But um, it's, you know, over the years, I've kind of learned uh, a lot from racing on here. Just, you know, things that you don't learn in real life without tearing up the race car. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to do that a couple hundred times on here with no consequences. And yeah. you know, that, that's a huge aspect that's, you know, extremely valuable with with iRacing and you know even at this at this level you kind of have to go through that to mm-hmm. to be successful you know for example i still race a lot of you know the bigger uh the longer races like nis purely for experience you know these these builds change the tire changes tracks get changed um, yeah. you kind of need to stay on top of that so understanding what you know you need to do uh week in week out you know, if I if NIS was before Coke this week, I might have known some strategy calls to make in the race. It could have mm-hmm. made a difference. Uh, it's that sort of thing that you know I try to benefit from. 
Yeah. And, and so you've come in. So coming into, that's interesting. Coming into iRacing from real racing, that always fascinates me. Um, the translation, uh, what you, because I've heard stories of people taking the virtual or the sim skills or anticipating traffic or things like that, carrying that over into real racing uh, the other way around. Uh, but uh, real racing into iRacing, is there anything that you, any particular uh, talents or abilities or skills that you felt like kind of gave you a leg up as you got into iRacing? Well, the type of racing I was doing was uh, indoor stock cars, high banked racetrack, basically Bristol. And <laughs> every move that you made was aggressive. There was no such thing as being patient. Uh-huh. Patience was very, very uh, short lived if there was such a thing. And so, you know, that style of racing kind of benefits you sometimes on iRacing mm. and other times it, uh, you know, rubs people the wrong way. And so <laughs> there's a learning curve for sure. I, I've probably been labeled as one of the uh, most aggressive people, at least coming up through in the last couple of years. And I've, you know, I've dialed that back a mm. lot because it doesn't really benefit you on here. And that's yeah. something I think even in real life, you, you go to the races and you're like, Oh, you know, that was going to be a really good battle. And you just let them go. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. that's beneficial, and it's just one of those things where, you know, I had to learn that, like letting people go, sometimes is the way, um, you know, to benefit yourself. It's things like that that you you pick up, you know. And i racing is, I'm not saying you don't do that in real life. Just the style of racing I was doing prior was very different. Yeah, very, very sp- like a sprint race. Like you got, mm-hmm. you, there's no time to let up. Got to go for it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So, uh, so that's how long has your journey been? When did you uh, actually get started in iRacing? Uh, how long has it thing? How long have, has it taken for things to progress? I want to say I started in 2015. It was kind of a like completely casual. I don't even know if I kept my account active the whole time. It's mm-hmm. about 2016. At the end of 2016, I started doing okay. like super late models and some short track stuff. I actually used to race against uh, when Ty Majeski was racing all the time. James wow. Pearl, Tyler Severa. All those guys were still mm-hmm. low 6Ks. Ty was still a 10, but uh, this was like the time that they were coming up. I was actually on their team at the time. We oh, were wow. all, you know, battling it out. And I moved on. I actually, you know, left that team, moved on to some NASCAR stuff, started doing some fixed racing. And that was where we kind of separated. And I came back and they were like 9 and 10. I'm like, what <laughs> happened here? But, um, yeah. It's It's been pretty cool. You know, I, that that kind of shaped my driving style for the record. Like you saw Mm -hmm. maybe in the Coke race this weekend or, you know, we went one to me and Vicente Yeah, and the short tracks just kind of, that's been my strong suit on here. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's because I grew up racing short track as much as it is, you know, that is what I've learned on iRacing because Mm -hmm. it kind of got my interest in it because of real life, but I didn't learn this stuff in real life. I learned it here. And I think that's where, you know, the benefit was because all the habits you need to, to learn, I learned them, you know, firsthand on iRacing. Yeah. Yeah. Through the, so, so the super late models, uh, late model racing kind of got your attention on here. Um, uh, talking about the, uh, the progression through everything and getting to the top. Um, so you go, so this is foreign to me, Patrick, I know to you for you as well. Yeah, um, very much so. Get, getting to the point where you are, the road to pro, uh, how would you describe that that journey there? So 
every all of us go through the progression through the the rookie classes trying to get our class a and for and for a lot of us it stops there at class a uh, so what is that next level uh, is there a way you would describe that the work that goes into that or just a maybe a natural just ability that you just have well there's there's a, a ton of work it doesn't really matter you know how good you are if your team yeah. isn't um i mean i guess technically you could have a team just you know catering to you the whole time feed <laughs> grapes but that ain't happening yeah, so no. um, there's there's lots of you know work that goes into it from all drivers uh, for the most part i mean the smaller the team the more work you're putting in the more you know personalized the uh, the effort is you know we're, we're a really small group over at esc but you know we're a really committed group and we probably turned ten thousand laps for coke which uh, was well worth it definitely yeah, uh, yeah. definitely paid off but um you know there's a whole nother level from you know your your a class or your you know your bigger series on iRacing to the pro level just the amount of commitment that goes into it it, it shows on the track mm-hmm. yeah getting uh one of our uh, road trainers for our particular team we do a lot of road racing and endurance racing um tells us and, and always tries to drill into our heads. You have to run enough practice laps to get, uh, what does he say, uh, Patrick, an implicit memory. Implicit memory. Yeah, yeah. To where it's just, you've run so many laps that uh, it's just, in your, it's, it's almost automatic in your mind that you can, you can do these things. And then you take it to the next level once you've run so many laps of practice before the actual competitive event. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, that, that brings up a good point. So, you know, you can have the best car all day long. Um, and do nothing with it. And that comes down to, you know, putting the laps in yourself. Um, but you can also, you know, you put in thousands of laps and your car isn't where you need it. And that you could be screwed that way too. It, it, you have to have both. It shows when you go fixed racing. I mean, you can show up. Most of us do at least Mm -hmm. at the pro level, most of us have other priorities. And so when we go to, you know, an NIS fixed race, maybe Coke was there this week. Mm-hmm. You see who put the work in in Coke <laughs> yeah. in the NIS race because that makes the difference of how much better you are on the fixed setup. Sometimes mm-hmm. cars are totally different, but sometimes it's really close. And that that little edge that you get over people just by having it muscle memorized, yeah, uh, it makes a difference. Yeah, that's that's the key. I think the muscle, the comfort level, just the implicit memory of everything. Um, Patrick, I want to bring you in here a little more. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of things do you have in your mind, Patrick? I want what I one of my main questions was the the work that you that you have to put in for the Coca Cola series, and you've mentioned that it is tons of laps. How many? Can you kind of like walk us through what a typical preparation for a race week is? Like how much practice that is? Because to somebody that isn't involved with it, just kind of want to know like how committed you guys are to it and how serious it is. I mean, I do think it varies a little bit by track and driver strengths. Um, I know my personal strengths are short tracks. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I feel comfortable on road courses, but I don't know exactly what I want. That's what Vicente is there for. <laughs> I'm gonna have to lean on him for uh, for Coda, yeah. but that's the whole thing. Like when we go to Richmond, I know what that feel is that I'm looking for, yeah. and I think we built three or four cars completely. Like you would have your NIS car, and you build one, and you basically tune it to the the maximum that you get out of it. Maybe make mm-hmm. fine tunes here and there right. as the week goes on. 
But um, in Coke, it's like, okay, well, here's one car. Here's the best thing we could do with it. Yeah, can you build your own car over here? And then they build their car. And if they can get it close to you, that's great. But maybe they're slower. Well, you don't come back to my car. You take what they just did and try to throw it in my car. And then you get car number three. And then you tune on car number three until you're completely you know, capped out on that and you just keep working at it yeah. until, you know, there is truly nothing more you can get out of it. And sometimes you, you know what the, the true end is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our final version was pretty darn close. I mean, we were tuning for feel at the very, very end, wow. but um, there is a, you know, a feeling that you get when you're, you're running the line that you want to run. And if you have the handling, then you have a good feeling about your car. And if you're fast on top of that, then you know you're where you need to be. Because if you've got speed and handling, you're you're on it. And that's yeah. what we had at Richmond, and it showed. Yeah, P2 at Richmond. Yeah. That, yeah, I'll happily take it. I mean, I would have <laughs> loved to have won. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of like the Mercedes deal in F1. If you're yeah. a second-place driver, it kind of sucks. But, you know, at the same time, like, it makes me feel a little bit better because I've, I've noticed as the week went on, there's nothing I could do. Like, yeah. in fixed... I could be faster and walking away from everybody all week. And then I end up second place and there's nothing I can do. <laughs> like literally I yeah. can't pass them. And so, you know, we were on the same car then and, you know, in fixed, we're on the same car too. So the fact that I could not pass doesn't surprise me now. Yeah. Um, you know, he ran a perfect race. He didn't make a mistake. I tried, you know, to put that pressure on. He never made it a single slip up and there's nothing, you know, that I knew how to do to get around him. So, I mean, one two yeah. it is yeah you can't feel i mean you can't feel bad you you know that you got the max of probably what you were able to do at that point and yeah respect uh to the ones that are that that are faster than us i guess that's for sure um so going back kind of the, to the progression uh so elliot sadler esports obviously elliot sadler i mean what do i need even need to say it's elliot sadler uh how did how do you get uh, on a team like that how did that relationship kind of get started uh, and get you to the team that you're at with uh, right now you know it's it's kind of funny i i feel like i've been asked this question yeah. and i don't actually remember how it came <laughs> down that he was even in the discord i was on legacy at the time and uh-huh. uh you know some things happened there that you know kind of made it to where a separation was necessary and so we split off and you know elliot started his own team and you know, that's, that's honestly where we are now. Everybody that was, that's on the team now for the most part was there minus a few ads here and there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's been a really solid group and uh, definitely one of the best teams that I've been on. You know, obviously it's well run and Elliot's been putting a ton of, ton of laps in himself. I think, I think he made a post at auto club that he made more laps this week, you know, working on the car than he did in his entire career there. Oh, wow. And that just goes to show like, you know, how much work everybody on the team puts in, you know, Elliot's really knowledgeable on this stuff. And, you know, the, the things that he knows, you know, goes into these cars and, you know, it works wonders. Everybody that has knowledge on, on racing stuff uh, is a, a huge, it's a huge benefit on, on iRacing. Yeah, El- Elliot on iRacing. I mean, it's awesome. I think uh, at one point, only one time I was in an official, I want to say truck race, and I was in a split with Elliot. And, and it's always a treat to run into to guys like that because uh, at, I think Patrick and I's age, uh, we grew up watching Elliot Sadler. I remember being a Dale Jarrett fan when he was teammates with Elliot in the 38. And uh, it, it's got to be a treat to be able to work with somebody 
with that experience, that history and in NASCAR oval racing. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's crazy. Like he has picked it up extremely quickly. Uh, He's been, you know, challenging for wins that I think he was in the top 70 in RTP until, (laughs) uh, until I had to miss a race. So, I mean, that just goes to show he's one of the top guys on the oval, you know, he's had to, I'm sure he's had to break some habits because there's a lot of things that are different on iRacing from what he, you know, probably used to. So uh, it's definitely cool to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And so Coca-Cola, the Coca-Cola series on iRacing, uh, take us through your, so I'm, I'm kind of working along the the timeline. So you join Elliott Sadler Esports, uh, and, and this is your first season in that series. Am I right with that? Correct. Um so take us through your first race your your first, not in detail, but you're getting in that series for the very first time. You're taking the grid. Uh, are there nerves? What, what's going through your mind as you start your very first race in that series? Well, the first one, thankfully, was a, uh, a casual fun race at the Clash at Daytona. <laughs> and that was a blast. I, I think good. everybody made a mistake here and there. Um, unfortunately, we were this close to to pulling off the wind down the back stretch and oh, man. just you know the level of aggression was on 10 actually it was probably <laughs> on 11 because that move would have never worked not <laughs> not in any situation and it just it definitely uh changed the course of our race we went yeah. from looking like the winner to honestly i think we bodied probably four people trying to catch our car down the back stretch <laughs> so it was it was very bad but we survived all four of those contacts yeah but um you know coming home eighth <laughs> in the clash wasn't bad either that's not uh, bad yeah season opener at uh at daytona as well that was going fantastic we uh got torn up on pit road guy i think he tried to pit from the racetrack i think what happened was he was trapped in the high line and he couldn't get down quick enough to slow his car down in time. So he ended up hitting the brakes right before he got off the racetrack. And, uh, that doesn't work. It doesn't work in NASCAR <laughs> when they try to no, do it then either. No, so, no. <laughs> um, it definitely, that, that hurt our race. Cause I was down by the yeah. wall and got missled, mm. but, um, that damage kind of carried on for the rest of the race. I w- I came out of the pits, the leader at the end of the race. Oh, wow. And I had so much damage on the rear that they just pulled out a line and passed me like I was sitting still. So I kind of had to position myself in, you know, I, I chose the middle lane because I thought that would be the best to get air off the rear. So I did that. Um, just kind of had to ride there. I was kind of content with a, a top five. I was looking like I was going to get third. Clampett would have been the first to win the clash and the 500 uh, or whatever you want to call it, the season yeah, opener. But yeah. uh, of course, we uh, we had a little bit of a, a connection issue coming off of turn four, and uh, um, the guy on my or on yeah on my inside got um, the the little bit of warp going on and turned mm. Clampett, and the rest is yeah, history man. in the field. Yeah. Night. So um, we were yeah. really close there too. It just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I, c- I can only imagine just the nerves of that. Uh, I I always ask that question of anybody that's been in in the, in anything top tier in iRacing. Uh, we had the I want to say fortune maybe misfortune of being in a top split for a road race, uh, the BMW 120. Uh, we tell the story on this show a lot uh, to laugh at ourselves. We think that we think that nobody wanted to wake up that morning and in, in whatever uh, race it was, it was an early morning race. So we were out there with Tony Kanaan and Romain Grosjean and, uh, oh, it was, it was terrifying. Oh. So I can only imagine <laughs> what it's like. I mean, I'm sure over time as you gain experience, it, you, you adjust to it. But I can only imagine what it's like to get to to be starting out in a series like the Coca Cola series. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't normally get get nerves, but I do remember in that race, it was it was odd because yeah. you know, I had probably done 30, 30 races on play tracks in mm-hmm. the the previous weeks, maybe fifty. I had done a ton because I went from being a moderately uh, okay plate driver, mm-hmm. kind of illiterate to <laughs> you know most of the moves to kind of understanding basically exactly what was going on. You know, my spotter was extremely helpful in telling me where things are going, but I didn't need him to tell me where to go. And that makes a huge difference, you know, being able to make those moves on my own instead of having to, you know, to relay the message essentially. And it, it was paying dividends, but there was definitely a bit of a nerve in the first 10, 20 laps when we mm-hmm. weren't really where we needed to be, uh, yeah. you know, with the way that that package is and the way, you know, the Coke series goes, it congests really quickly. So it's all about getting on and off pit road, just being in the right place, making the right moves and getting up front. Mm. And I don't really even know how we got up front the way we did. It was pretty crazy, but we had a really good cycle of pit stops. And I think I got on pit road uh, better than a lot of people. And that made the difference. That's what yeah. the 50 races prior kind of taught <laughs> me is where to break. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the struggle that, that we see is that some of us are still learning how to pit in green flag conditions, myself included, yeah. without locking them up or spinning. Um, so what is the, so you've been in the Coca-Cola series now uh, for some races. Uh, what's the intensity level in there? Like we we've covered on the show here, uh, some of the Porsche sports cup on the roadside, and we've covered different stories about how people drivers in the series were, for example, running through the grass to cool, like, like finding every advantage competitively. And it blew our minds at, at the, just the ability to do things like that. Uh, is there an intensity uh, in the Coca-Cola series of just trying to get every bit out of it. I imagine it's much different from uh, an NIS race, uh, just a regular race like that, or obviously a class A race. It's actually really unfortunate that I'm probably the last person to find these things. I didn't know that <laughs> cheese existed until like probably nine months after it was found. And that just goes <laughs> to show why I qualified in the dumpster in RTP every single week. But um you know, I can't yeah. even use that excuse anymore because I still qualify in the dumpster. Yeah. Coke, but, uh, <laughs> I, I really do think, um, you know, those kind of tricks, they do make a difference. And having, you know, somebody able to find them first definitely yeah. uh, helps a lot. The cat gets out of the bag eventually. Somebody watches, yeah. you know, the the race. and like, Oh, that's a great idea. They try it themselves. But, you know, I, I think there were people that were doing some some things in RTP this year that were questionable, like backing up on pit road. I mean, uh, we were getting to the point where like people, they were patching everything that had been done, pri- you know, prior. They were basically yeah. like, yeah, you're not gonna be able to do it anymore. And people are like, oh, we've never done this before. Let me try this. <laughs> just literally everything under the sun. Somebody will think about it. And it's just actually it's incredible to me, like how out yeah. of the box people can, you know, find things. Thankfully, that one's not still around. That one was uh, a pretty quick, you know, slap on the wrist to everyone that tried it. Yeah. Um, so that won't be around anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah, we were we were covering that not long ago. The grass cool tire cooling exploit in Pesic, and we were just like, if if anybody's good enough to to drop a tire in the grass and not bend it and wreck. All the power to them. That's that's a pro move. They deserve because, it at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I didn't learn about that until it was literally patched. The patch notes <laughs> were what told me it was an exploit. I was like, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that's no. just, it was insane to us. I get. I don't think I don't know how much that would work in a oval series. It seemed like a road type of thing, but I, I it just it gave us an idea of of how probably intense it is in the in the very in the pro series that every little advantage. I mean, it's just like real sports. It's just like real competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to find every little ounce you can to to be competitive. And, and I don't blame anybody for if it if I racing has it as a possibility it's kind of fair game to me until they fix it so but uh, patrick i'll throw it back to you patrick do you have anything else on your mind yeah i was wondering garrett what are your goals for the rest of the season uh where do you want to what do you want to try and get done in the rest of the season are you trying a certain amount of wins are you trying to get into the chase you know what are you trying to hope for the, uh, this season i think homestead in vegas kind of shot herself in the foot there we'll see um homestead you know we had that disconnect and uh vegas wrong place wrong time and ended up in the fence so definitely wasn't the the way we wanted those two races to go i know i had a top 10 car at vegas we were running in the top 10 when we got taken out um but you know right now we just fought our way back into the top 20 considering you know the way the beginning of the season went and the finishes we had lined up and the finishes we actually got um, you know, I'm, I'm really satisfied with where we are. If I'd won Richmond, I'd tell, I'd tell you playoffs because I didn't, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to stick by my initial goal and say, I just want to be in the series next year. I know it sounds like pretty, it sounds like a low goal, but at the same time, it's really not like, and let me clarify this. I don't want to be in the series next year and have to go through pro. I want this to be, <laughs> you know, I want to be locked in for next year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy to stay. And I think, you know, the way that the season has gone so far, you know, I think that's a really feasible goal. We're already, mm-hmm. you know, we've, I've clawed back from 14 positions back now, probably more than that, actually. I think I was buried pretty deep. So to be in contention again, you know, I'm, I'm not out of the, the playoff bubble or, you know, I don't not have an opportunity there, but I have to win a race at this point. There's been six winners. There's eight spots. Yeah. So, you know, looking at the schedule, I don't think Mitchell's won or no. Yeah. Mitchell hasn't won a race yet. No, he has. And I, I don't know. I don't think Bobby has won a race yet either. And we got road courses coming up. So I'm uh, pretty sure we've got eight slots taken up. Mm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, you know, I think the opportunity to make the chase without a win is pretty slim. And, you know, looking at the schedule, I'm just not sure where I can say, yes, that's my winning track. I, mm-hmm. I thought Richmond would be it. And, yeah. you know, it was obviously a really good piece. Me and yeah. Vicente drive really similar, though. So it's like <laughs> you kind of have to beat, you know, you still have to beat the best to uh, yeah. be able to, you know, pull it off. Just wasn't our night, but you know, we got New Hampshire. I think that that has potential. It's not my best track for setting cars up, but I feel like it's one that naturally clicks with me just because of my style. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll just be interesting to see what we can put together there, and if you know, if we can get a piece. Uh, capable capable of winning the race yeah what have been what have been some of your most difficult tracks what tracks are there any tracks out there that you're like i I god i can't i still can't quite figure this one out i'm pretty sure they fall under the category of cookie cutter (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah they still haven't they still haven't clicked it's not that you know they're i'm like worlds off i just yeah i don't know what the trick is to be you know, your, your Ryan Luza or your Keegan Leahy fast on them. It just hasn't, there, there's a feel clearly. Um, mm-hmm. and there's also some 
tricks within you know the garage that that help a lot and i'm just not aware of what they are mm-hmm. you know i'm not saying that i'm the best at them by any means i just don't know what to look for it's just <laughs> not um it's, yeah. it's not my strongest um you know tracks on the schedule at all but to be able to you know we got a top 10 in atlanta i think i think mm-hmm. it was a top 10 um and we could have gone all the way back you know probably to eighth in that race yeah. had you know we started further up we had a really good shot i feel like mm. we were realistically a top six or seven car if that had just been you know a phenomenal qualifying you know it's been an uphill battle all season with my qualifying efforts <laughs> we haven't quite hit on the 23rd yeah. uh yet because that's been my magic number i qualify 23rd i win the race at the pro level that's that's how it's been uh, i'm hoping you know if that that happens again we can continue the trend but yeah it's been uh it's been crazy how about the uh, the road courses? I know NASCAR itself has has kind of upped the level of road courses in the in its schedule. How do you feel on the road courses in this type of car? I mean, I'm going to be real. I don't think I'm a winning car, but I think I'm uh-huh. a top ten car. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm I'm relatively competitive. I've gotten you know really comfortable on the road courses. I just don't know where that raw speed is. There's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a fine line of pushing and sliding, and I'm not. Yeah, not comfortable in the uh, the middle ground yet. Uh, that that's kind of where it's at. Like you know, keeping the tires on it's extremely hard when you're pushing mm-hmm. for your hot laps. Yeah, and sometimes pushing for your hot laps is what does you in. Um, I think Vicente's you know kind of figured that out. I'm pretty sure he's probably got some of the world records on some of these tracks. Oh wow! So you yeah. know he'll be somebody to lean on for that. And you know if we have a good car, and I know he knows what to look for. Uh, if we can put something together for that. You know, hopefully I'll reap the benefit just like you will. Yeah, these these oval cars are brutal on road courses. Uh, I've done I did a truck race at Coda and, and it was brutal. Um, have you done any sports car racing on iRacing or any endurance racing or, or stepped over in, into uh, any of that? I have. We actually ran uh, the Friday night top split for yeah. the uh, the Lamborghinis at Daytona this nice. year. We were so close to winning. It actually came down to a glitch on pit road. Uh, I woke up at probably 3 a.m. And I knew our schedule, like our actual, you know, timesheet of when we were supposed to get in the car was eventually going to get skewed because we hadn't done the math on like what an actual stint was. Yeah. And so I was like, shoot, this might be actually my, um, you know, my turn. And we're always double stenting, right? So that's yeah. kind of what you think is, you know, the usual and it's 3 a.m. So I'm not familiar with the fact that we've been triple stenting all day. And I knew that, but I wasn't really awake enough to remember that. And <laughs> so that I point. was like, yeah, it was bad. Um, you could actually watch on the stream as I like started to slump over and fall asleep. <laughs> um, but I got up and I was like, is, are you pitting for the second time? He's like, yes. And so I instinctively hit remove driver <laughs> And then he's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? (laughs) And so he gets back in the car and it jacks the car up again to put tires on it. And that was, that was the end that right there cost us the race. We actually, we were only 10 seconds behind at the end, uh, you know, for winning our, our class. And you know, that, that hurt because there were so many things that could have been different, but if that one hadn't happened, that was it. I mean, we recovered from it. It's not like he got out of the car and then had to wait on the swap. Like, Mm. he got out and got right back in so there was no driver swap time Mm -hmm. he just got in and then once it finished putting tires on it dropped the car and then raised it back up in hell and it was like uh, oh it was painful all of us we kind of knew like that we'd been played already on on a fuel strat and 
you know, that that's a foreign thing to us anyway. It's mm-hmm. we're not used to clutching all the way down the front stretch from the start finish line to turn one for fuel saving. And that just, yeah. it's how it worked out in that class, which kind of makes me not want to do GTE, but it's a, or <laughs> sorry, GT three. But I mean, it was fun. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with fuel saving. I'm pretty comfortable doing it, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very different. It's a very different style of racing. Uh, uh, Patrick, jump in. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to ask about, because I'm I, on the uh, Coke schedule, I know that with on the road course side of things, they have Coda coming up on May 18th, and then uh, they also have Road America on June 29th, which are obviously new to NASCAR and the new to the series. How has the preparation been going for you specifically with those two courses? Because you know, you're not going to be the only one that's kind of, it's, it's foreign territory. I'm going to be honest. I hate flat road courses and uh, road America, even though I have experience there, if it's mm-hmm. not an open wheel car, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how that's really going to go. I'm going to really need to put a lot of time into focusing on that one. Yeah. Uh, Coda. I have very, very limited experience. I did a little bit of Corvette racing there. Yeah. Um, just haven't really, you know, put it all together. That course is extremely difficult, especially in the cup cars. I mean, you're just sliding around the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so if I can figure out those two courses, I feel like I'll be better off at Watkins Glen. Cause that's a track that I actually feel good at. I'm glad we're not doing the boot. I don't think we're doing the boot. Please. I hope we're yeah, not doing the boot. Yeah. No, I, I highly doubt it. <laughs> yeah. I, I have not figured out the boot at that track, but Watkins Glen, the way that the, uh, you know, the chicane is, Yeah. I, I feel like i understand where you're supposed to actually run through there and that you know everybody in the coke series is going to understand that but i feel like i've gotten comfortable with it uh, i was relatively competitive in the past mm-hmm. and uh, that that's a track i feel like i can i can pull off a top five or a top 10 for sure yeah because watkins glenn especially you know it's historically been on nascar schedule for a long time and everyone's got a decent amount of experience with so it's just throwing these eyeballs in there kind of just you know, yeah. I, I, I tried a Coda race in one of our league races and I'm just like, how are they, how are they, am I supposed to not slide with this thing? <laughs> through, the through the S's, the S's are like, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm going to miss the Roval. I wish that was on the schedule. Like that's yeah. a track that I feel really good at. That's probably my best track. That's a track in like Porsche cup cars yeah. that I, I'm actually competitive with like seven and eight K drivers. That's the only track. <laughs> so I don't know, like, you know, normally when you're, you're trying to go up against, you know, the guys that run Porsche cup all the time, yeah. if you can compete with them at a racetrack, you probably know it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the track that I was looking forward to in Coke. I was like, yeah. I'm competitive with them. I'll be competitive in Coke. And uh, then I found out I wasn't on there and I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just but, your luck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Roval. I love the Roval. Uh, Coda. I wish they had kept. Yeah, the the Coda is so. Keep that with F one. Coda is so. I, I had a hard time with it in the trucks. Uh, I did a truck league race. I think the same one Patrick's talking about. Yeah. And the S's were just brutal. And and yeah, it's. I, I, I'm a firm believer. I, I know a lot of people that we race oval leagues with can't stand road racing and they don't like road racing. Well, if I had to get my intro to road racing with the stock cars and not a GT car, I'd mm-hmm. probably hate road racing as well. It's so much more difficult. Yeah, the road cars really, or, you know, the, the stock cars on road courses really, you know, 
probably rank up there some of the hardest things to do, especially on iRacing. Just, you know, it's so easy to get the tires hot. And then you're literally a, you know, a passenger. You're along for the ride. I mean, it's not, and it's not a fun ride. You're, you're on the wheel the entire time. Uh, It makes it really difficult. Yeah, it's tough. Um, Patrick, I knew you had uh, some more questions, Patrick. Yes. um, I was actually wondering, besides, you know, all the preparation and everything you do for the Coke series uh, and just oval racing in general, is there any other types of racing you like to do just for fun on iRacing? You know, do you like to do rally cross? Do you like to do open wheel? You know, anything? What, What do you enjoy to do in your free time, basically? Well, it, I used to have free time. And when I had free time, uh, Dirt Street Stock was where it was at. That was oh, actually yeah. a, a lot of fun. The C-Class series, uh, there were a lot of guys, a lot of respect for um, you know each other that we'd go in there and beat and bang. And mm-hmm. you know, it was a good time. For the most part, like nine out of ten drivers that ran up front were extremely you know fun to race against. They knew, they knew what beating and banging was and they knew what wrecking was. And, you know, there was that respect and everybody you know, got along and we got to battle and basically we'd race at midnight and just go out there and, you know, have a good race. That's kind of changed. I haven't been able to do that since, uh, (laughs) since pro honestly, once, once RTP ended level, the next level of effort that went into it was just too much to be able to to go with that. But I, I actually do the rally cross pro series on here as well. Uh, I'll be doing the all-star event this week and I guess it's the next, uh, I guess his next eight weeks, we got four events. I'll be doing that. I haven't touched the rally cars since pro. Like mm. the end of the pro series was the last time I touched the car. Um, it's, that was a brutal ending, ending <laughs> of the series. I, I felt like I can get P6 in the standings. Mm. And then I got absolutely robbed week uh, in, week out, you know, oh, taking the lead in the, <laughs> in the feature and then getting cleaned out in turn one. It's like, uh, seriously, and yeah. that just continued to happen. Um, and it just kind of went south from there. You know, when you're destroyed, running, yeah. I mean, I had two weeks in a row, destroyed car, like just junked. And I ran the fastest lap of the race and yeah. I got junked on lap one. So like oh. the fact that my car was literally skewed out, destroyed, steering wasn't straight and I was going faster. I'm just, that's heartbreaking because you know what would have happened <laughs> if you maintained the lead. Yeah. Yeah. Like a shot uh, have, in the gut, basically, yeah. at that point. Big time. Big time. Uh, have you, uh, so the track of the moment's been kind of Bristol dirt. Have you gotten much, any time on Bristol dirt in any kind of car? I actually really, uh, I liked it. I didn't uh-huh. like the setup as much. Uh-huh. I feel like uh, it, it could have been looser. Um, you, you know, for open, we didn't really put a ton of time into it just given that you know richmond was coming up and we had yeah. the coke series stuff going on but i was i felt really comfortable i i think i won five nis races there just uh-huh. it's a lot of fun ripping the fence and then yeah. ripping the bottom and you know getting to move around throw some sliders doesn't normally happen in a cup car so to be able to run yeah. nis on dirt was uh was an experience mm. uh patrick we'll, we'll start wrapping up and uh, do you have any last questions patrick yeah, th- this is just a random question. What is one of your biggest pet peeves when you're in an I- open iRacing server? Uh, that That's hard. <laughs> that's really hard because I probably do it. And yeah. so I can't say that I actually have one because it would be hypocritical. <laughs> so I don't know. It's all things that I've done in my past that I see now. And I'm like, man, there is a reason nobody liked me when I did that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, definitely, you know, I, 
I can't really say anything because I'm probably yeah. guilty of it. Yeah, can't. Yeah, got to keep it keep <laughs> close to the. Yeah. Um, well, Garrett, we we appreciate your time. We don't want to take up too much of it, uh, and we want to thank you and Elliot Sadler Esports uh, for having you on here. Uh, so everybody that's at Garrett Mains on Twitter. Uh, and, and check him out on all social media. And, and of course, Elliot Sadler, eSports Racing in the iRacing Coca-Cola Series, uh, sponsored by OfferPad, Smithfield Foods, Linux, and ComServe. Uh, we'll be watching the rest of this season, and, and we'll be pulling for you. We hope it's a good season for you. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll be right back on Into the Apex. This episode of End of the Apex is brought to you by Roscoe Wheels. Roscoe Wheels is confidence-inspiring aluminum. This means confidence in quality and confidence in self. Confidence in quality meaning they want their customers to know that their wheels are produced to the highest standard and tested to be as strong as anything on the market and are designed to keep you safe. Confidence in self meaning they want their styles and fitments to make customers feel the way you did when you walked into high school with a brand new pair of shiny shoes giving you the confidence in yourself when you show up, whether it be to work or any event, knowing you look awesome. Roscoe Wheels offer, offers free shipping within Canada and flat rate shipping in the USA. Find your new look today at roscoewheels.com. This episode of Into the Apex podcast is also brought to you in part by the racing fans at Great Hire Staffing. Whether you need help hiring one employee or 100, Great Hire can help. Hiring good people is hard work. Great Hire HR does it quickly and economically so you can focus on what's important, running your business. Check them out online at www.greathirehr.com. Finally, this episode is sponsored by Bad Weather Brewing Company out of St. Paul, Minnesota. With craft brews like the Immortal Toast Infused White Stout or the Red Vein Red IPA on tap or in the can, it's how endurance drivers like us celebrate post-race find your new favorite craft beer and order your mugs online at badweatherbrewery.com And we're back on the Into the Apex podcast. Patrick is still here, and we welcome in Rob Gregoire and uh, Bradley joining us uh, for the last half of the show. Patrick, a uh, good conversation with Garrett Maines uh, of Elliott Sadler Esports, the Coca-Cola uh, eNASCAR racing series. Uh, really interesting. It's, it's interesting to me to hear from, and I want to hear from more uh, drivers in the uh, top tier oval series as well as the Pesic series the porsche sports cup uh, on the roadside i mean the the world of the top tier sim racing uh it's it's fascinating and it's it's a whole nother world i mean we like we mentioned in the interview we got into a top split purely by dumb luck uh by the lack of attendance on a sunday morning uh and uh, it's it scared the hell out of all of us that were in there it's it's quite a different world has a different feel uh, but it's the kind of competitiveness, the kind of sport uh, that we're all here for. Ultimately, it's all—it's what we're all practicing for. Uh, but it's interesting to hear how much work goes into it. Yeah, it's—it's kind of—it was kind of eye-opening just to learn about all the work, all the practice, and it was just like I thought I did an okay amount of practice. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's we don't we don't do shit compared to him. <laughs> there's there's a it's an athletic. I say athletic. I mean a sport process to it, a competitive process, just like any any type of sport or competition. Any competitor in any form whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah, if you're going to be the top of your game, it it definitely takes work. I've I've noticed, uh, just speaking for myself, my own experience. I mean, I've been sim racer first started sim racing. Um, 10 years ago, a little bit more than that with lots of slow and off periods in between. So it's not been nonstop, but it's been a little over a year now since I got back into it as much as I was into it initially. Uh, and I definitely have noticed improvement a lot on the oval side because that, that was kind of like picking up the baseball bat again, so to speak, uh, improvement on the road side, since we've been focusing on that a lot. Uh, so the more you do it, I mean, I think joining, I think joining a league helps a lot for anybody that might be new to it. Uh, joining a league and having some consistency is helpful uh, in your training and in learning uh, because official sessions, depending on your split, depending on the luck of the draw of the competitors uh, on iRacing or I imagine any sim, uh, you may not always have a smooth, good experience. Sometimes it's not as as clean and crisp of a, of a race or competition, but when you get a well-regulated uh, fun league of the similar people week in and week out. Uh, I think that's where you start to see improvement. I think that's certainly true of the oval side of things, but I'm, I mean the roadside too. Yeah, I would, I definitely say in the oval side, it, it definitely rings more true. Uh, the roadside, I, it's, I think you can go more into the official sessions. Mm -hmm. It's not as the, the oval sessions. You're really, it's your crapshoot either you're going to get uh, a decent split with good drivers or you're going to get people out there who don't give a crap yeah they're just gonna send it to lap one turn one <laughs> the difference is cautions on cautions off right that's i think that's the clear difference there yeah yeah i have just oh sorry i just was also track sizes too like in an oval track you can't really get away from people in some ways you know what i mean like you drive so far ahead then you're just at them again like it's just a circle yeah, you're stuck there. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I used to do nothing but oval sessions and the official iRacing stuff, and I haven't touched one of those in months. I've done nothing but oval or road racing. Same for me, actually, when it comes to official racing. And uh, because league racing is just so much better there. Yeah, as far as oval, that's that's all I do. My oval is uh, league racing on weekdays, and I enjoy both. I mean, there are folks that obviously only will touch one or the other, and they. They will not do uh, both or, or that kind of thing. Uh, I equally enjoy both. I appreciate both. And if I had to stop one over the other, I would miss whatever I stopped. I see I see the enjoyment in all of it. And I try to improve. I put a lot more practice in the road because it's to me, it's more technical. There's more to learn circuit to circuit. And I find that it's something I can, I will lose my edge with without practice or without running some kind of session at a particular track in a particular car. Uh, also, some of the the variety of cars. I think we've talked about it before as far as spectators, kind of where we're at, especially Bradley, you and I. I know we've evolved from just NASCAR over the years to road. Uh, and we were and we would much more enjoy watching the various sports cars uh, go around the track than we would watching stock cars just because of how unique all the manufacturers are, uh, how much uh, I appreciate that aspect of it. And you don't really get that. 
uh, anywhere but sports cars. You don't get them. I mean, Formula One, they all kind of look the same. The wings might be a different shape slightly, uh, but really it's just the liveries are different. Same with stock cars. They may have a Ford sticker. They may have a Chevy sticker, but uh, I mean, it all kind of blends together. But but when you see a Corvette out there and a Lamborghini and a BMW and a Porsche, uh, they're, something about that is, is much more appealing to me. Yes, yeah, and I noticed that uh, kind of on showcase at the Charlotte race there at the Roval in October. I mean, probably the only opportunity to do that where you have a double header of NASCAR Xfinity and Cup style cars, which, like you said, they're all uniform and uh, all sound the same, look the same. I mean, you got paint schemes, but pretty much the same cars, uh, even mm-hmm. with different manufacturers. And then you have the IMSA GTD cars and GTLM, and just the like you said, every car sounds its own way. Every car looks distinctly different. And it was just, it's a showcase of engineering and a showcase of, of what the best uh, sports cars that are available right now. So, I mean, it's like you said, it is more exciting to watch for us, I think. And it was, it's certainly more exciting to drive road. I mean, I, there's trust. Don't get me wrong. Like you said, um, there's nothing like the adrenaline of, of side by side battling and, trying to catch up to somebody on an oval track. Um, it's a different kind of feeling. Uh, but the benefit of driving the road cars is I, if you're just by yourself on a track, you can still have fun. Whereas driving on an oval track by yourself is kind of boring. It's terrible. There's really it nothing is, worse. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. If you fall back in the pack, I remember in the old days, and I, I'm still guilty of it, uh, I become kind of whiny if I don't have anyone to race. That's, yeah, that's right. I, I become a little whiny. I've I have witnessed that in in racing with you. Oh yeah, you get into that. I want to quit. Oh, pretty much. Oh, it's all over. Yeah. I think I feel like you intentionally smashed your car into the wall just to Wouldn't say, "Oh, I I hit the wall. It's over, guys." No, so I, don't do do I don't you do that. I don't do that. About that? Yeah. I don't know about that. I think I I'll think sometimes you, a polygraph, man. I think sometimes you look for an out. If it's not well, I mean, going your way. And if you qualified more, you might not experience that. I think, thing, though, I think you have a fear of qualifying and getting in the middle of it. And you start in the back and you stay in the back. You well, yeah, there, there's a psychology there of it, for sure. For sure, you you get kind of nervous. And I, I, I listened to an interview about that. Was it? I don't know if it was. I can't remember where it was. It might have been on this show. Annie's. Yes, it was. Annie's it was. Last week. That's yes, exactly it was. It. That I, we I were talking about that progression. Yeah, and that's that's I I felt I felt what she was saying because that's exactly the way I feel even after all these years after ten years in iRacing, racing, I still am almost too nervous to qualify even though for sure that's going to lead to a better finish most of the time. I, I've gotten past that. You know why? Because I know what I'm worth, and I'm worth being up there in the front and in the mix. All right, Doctor Phil. I mean, Patrick, I feel like you do the same thing sometimes. I don't want to turn the spotlight completely to you as we usually do but i feel like you're you're guilty like bradley of of often not giving yourself uh, due credit and developmental credit you're you're a year into this journey uh, i think you can uh i think you can do it this is tyler's airing of grievances or what no this isn't a grievance this i'm trying to i'm trying to help these people i'm just joking. i'm trying these are two men that need help rob do you rob do you qualify See, at the first, if I'm doing like one race in a night, I'm qualifying. If I'm doing multiple, then no, because I, I just, I can't, I don't know. I'd rather just sit and wait for the race and like use my time to do something else. If you, if you do multiple races, yeah, like see, special sessions. 
Yeah, exactly. So like you're so you're looking point. at TikTok on your phone while these other guys are qualifying. Is that what you're doing? Not TikTok, but something like that. Yeah. Okay. See, I have a point to that. Uh, that might be might have to do with the VR, um, which is like in league races, for example, or Cyber Thunder races. A lot of times, I don't qualify because I want to practice, and I do this in the road races too. I don't qualify because sometimes they're long races. I d- the qualifying is right before the race. Pretty much by the time I practice. By the time I qualify and then the race is pretty much starting, by the time you're done with that, I've had the headset on for a long, long time. And it gets pretty uncomfortable after a while. So yeah, qualifying yeah, qualifying's my time to take it off and stretch out. That's uh, that's something coming from some VR snobs. Well, yeah. So VR, it's such a pain and hassle to race with it. You can't. That's, that's the thing, though. It's competitive disadvantage. It's, it's worth the it. pain, though. It's worth the discomfort. Yeah, it's well worth it. Well, well, I, yeah, is, is the experience that good? Uh, oh, oh, great! Yes. I can see. I can oh, see. Yes, if I'm in the car, but I I always start in the back. It is so. Good. I don't. I never reach my full potential. That sounds great. Yeah, overtaking people's fun. <laughs> uh, hey, that worked for me uh, yesterday at Pocono. In the yeah, Pro Cup Series, I started yeah. almost dead last, and I finished sixth <clears throat> ahead of you, right? One position ahead of me, yeah. That's yeah. right. So how, how's that strategy working out? They're not qualifying. Well, generally, I think it, it doesn't. No, it, generally, if there's, if there's no cautions and no attrition. If, in a you're, race, if you're really trying to compete. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not it, one of those fast guys that starts in the back just to fuck with everybody. Right, but I get you the sense them. that you're... That you, I mean, if if is it the case that you feel like you don't qualify because uh, you can't handle racing closely with people at the start? You think you'll just wreck them or yourself? You're a danger to yourself and others, is what you feel. Well, no, because I can I can get up there at the end and handle it then. But at the start, it's better to be safe. I mean, it makes. I mean, we talked about it last week with Annie, as she because because her entire. Um, Basically, how, what what she has documented was her her uh, start and progression through everything, and I I completely agree that's that is a an approach to take, and it's something that I took. My point now is just I'm saying that I'm starting to get out of that, uh, and, and I imagine she is, and and I I think it's time for you to as well. Do we have an intervention? Uh, I don't know about that. But. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you're trying to play a psychologist, but you're not you're not doing a good job. No, well, I, I was trying to change what you're doing. I, I, I don't need to listen to you, <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Beeman, the Doctor Phil of iRacing. Well, you guys keep starting from the back, then we'll see what happens. I, I don't start from the back all the time. There's more often times than not. I qualify now. Believe there it or get, not, that's pr- well. I guess then uh, that I'm just hurting your feelings now because I'm saying you still seem to start from the back, but you try to start from the front, but you just can't. Whoa, so that, that's kind of hurtful. That is kind of hurtful, I guess. In your case, kind of hurtful. <laughs> that's that's a substantial wound. To I mean, facts are facts. Cried. If I if I start from the back consistently, then that's what I that's my place. That didn't that didn't sound any better, did it? <laughs> I, I think we should transition out of this. Yeah, okay, I, I think, think we should. Otherwise, I'm going to open a can of whoop ass over. <laughs> I think the damage is done now. The, the NT the Apex Nerber Ring 24 team is going to dissolve before your very eyes. Patrick, yeah. self, self-esteem minus five points. And uh, more on. like minus 50, but yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you, 
Yeah, you dirty, greasy backmarker. You lapper. Yeah, you lapper. <laughs> you <laughs> filthy <laughs> lapper. <laughs> Get out of the way, lapper. What are you doing out here? You Go high or low. Here. Do something, you scumbag. You don't belong here. <laughs> Just park it already. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you racing me so hard? Are, are you are you one of those that you're getting lapped by the leaders and and you start you panic and wreck because you're just so panicked <laughs> that you slam into the wall looking in the mirror trying not to wreck the leader so then you wreck yourself and then probably the leader. <laughs> if that's you, here's my card. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I told you we've said this before on the show, but I am the guy that will work and work to make a pass. Uh and then once I get past the guy, I panic. I'm like, oh, shit, he's behind me. I, I got to hold him off. And then I always mess up, make a mistake. When you get in the lead, you have nobody to follow. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah well, that's true. Yeah, you lose your reference point. Then that's true, I think, for road and oval. That's correct. Yeah. Drive and too we, much in the rearview mirror. Oh, yeah. And we've, we've touched just, on that you need, before. You but. need to follow, and you can match his line and maybe improve upon it. But then once you don't have that line to follow, you're, you realize you don't have your own line. <laughs> you, like what if, what am i doing this line yeah uh that's a that's that's a developmental thing i mean that's that's i don't want to knock that because that's true of me i mean that is absolutely something that i have had to develop and, and even still uh especially on road courses i find just because of uh just the nature of it at least for me so i i, I know this is kind of a, a side point but i know we are uh, this is going to come out after the Nurburg 24, but Tyler, do you want to qualify us uh, in the race for Nurburgring? I would qualify. I mean, if I were the first one to drive, I certainly would. You're the one talking so much shit about qualifying. <laughs> so time put up or shut up. If I were, if I were starting us, which I'm not, I'm letting, I'm making sure that you go before me, Patrick, because I've screwed you out of Bathurst and, Lama and the LMP one. Uh, I am so I'm going much later in the lineup for the into the Apex BMW. Uh, but if I were if I were determined to be the first driver, I certainly would qualify. You're, can't you I, got, I, I can't say I can't say I would qualify well, but I would qualify. You're so full of shit; it's coming out of every hole in your body. <laughs> you think I would? You think I would choose not to? Yeah, because although in a twenty-four hour race at a track such as that, is, is that really the worst strategy in the world? No, but I'm just saying because you're talking all this like, oh, you need to qualify. I'm, I'm thinking I'm so much better. <laughs> I mean, are we even uh, qualifying? I, I'm sure we are, but let's, let, gentlemen, let's not have a team meeting on the air. We, yes, we will qualify for. I'm sure our our lead driver will start. Uh, will qualify. Um. I think well, I think in the twenty-four hour race, it would be, I would look at it differently. But I think if it were if it were on me, that I mean, I would the whole crew, the whole team would basically have the say. I couldn't stand up against them. I, I think the qualifying as a personal individual decision uh, is where that would come into play. Did I did I get out of that one, Patrick? Well enough? I don't know. I was just busting <laughs> your balls. That's all. Uh, well, that's a good, we'll we'll table that discussion. We'll see how Bradley progresses. I think Bradley's the biggest. I know Patrick. I noticed you're you're different over time, uh, but I think Bradley, Mister Ten Year Sim Racer here, uh, should at this point be comfortable qualifying on an oval race in particular. It depends so, on the track. 
in my comfort well, level. Well, it seems to happen at almost every track. Yeah, because I don't, I don't, I don't. Admittedly, I don't spend a lot of time practicing pro, uh, pre-race uh, like I do. I spend a lot of time on the roadside. So on the so, opal side, so, I just a lot of times I'll show up and drive just because I know the tracks well enough to make it. I don't need a lot of practice, but Bradley, I'm also not confident at the beginning, so I've got to warm myself up by starting in the back. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna point out that you said that you you wear your VR headset so much while practicing that you need to take it off and take a breather during qualifying. Depends on the track. Depends what I'm hearing right now is you don't wear your VR because <laughs> you just basically show up and race. That's what I'm hearing. As I a, mean, as I practice for 15 minutes, but that's a long time in VR. When you, when you add it to qualifying and you add it to an hour and a half race. Oh, Jesus. I, what I'm hearing is you just show up and race. And that, your VR, that the VR headset is heavy and miserable. If your eyes are starting to sweat, but I'm oh no, no they don't do that. It's just the uh, the pressure of it on the face. So you're getting migraine. The immersion. No, no, no. It's just it's just uh, not the padding is not soft, and I I could replace it and get third party. But at, at the age of my Oculus CV1, I'm just gonna let it let it go until I get a new one and replace it. So speaking of of equipment, uh, Fanatec had some news this week. Well, that's a hard that that's a hurt. hard segue. I think we've exhausted the qualifying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we've come to, to. I think everybody out there can reach their own conclusions on that. Um. So, I, Bradley and Rob, you guys have done the research on this Fanatec wheel. I have not. Uh, one of you guys fill us in on this, uh, on what's interesting about this release this week. Uh, so a lot of people would, will probably remember, um, those that follow Fanatec on April 1st, um, they made a post that everyone thought was a joke. I mean, it appeared to be a joke. It's April fools, similar to what iRacing did with dirt and said, basically it's the, uh, direct drive 0.5, um, like a mini cut in half, literally sliced in half from the original DD one and DD two big chunk. Uh, just cut in half and otherwise same look. So of course everyone thinks it's a joke. You don't hear anything more about it. Uh, we'll hear this week. Uh, they started with some minor teasers and now they've put all the information out for the Fanatec CSL DD direct drive wheel uh, at a staggeringly low for Fanatec, $350. Um, so to put that in perspective, the what I have, the Club Sport wheel based to V2.5, which is a belt-driven wheel, not even the same quality of technology, is uh, $550. Um, so not even the same level of fidelity, probably a little more strength maybe. I'm, I'm not as detailed on the figures on that. Um, of course, you got the Podium DD1, which is $1,200, and the DD2, which is $1,500. So you've got a spike from... The entry to direct drive, I mean, that's probably the cheapest you're going to find a direct drive wheel anyway. Um, it's always been the premium product on Fanatec and these other uh, makers of uh, wheelbases. It, it's going to be well over $1,000, no matter what you're looking at for direct drive. And now we have one cheaper than the V2.5. So what does that mean for the club sport now that they have a CSL direct drive wheel? And there's obviously it doesn't seem like there's going to be a club sport offering for that. What does that mean for that? Does that mean what I have is pretty much going to be not obsolete, but I mean, why would you buy the 2.5 when you could buy this new one? 
other than uh, the point Rob made earlier pre-show, which is availability. Yeah, what do you think about this, Rob? Is this something you're excited? You think is is should be excited about? Is this something you're going to pick up? Oh, I'm absolutely going to pick it up, and I think everyone should be excited. But again, as Bradley said, what I was saying earlier before we were on air, this not going to be available. It's just people are going to be clamoring over each other. Like even I know myself right now, I would step over my own mother to get one. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is going to be the uh, three thousand series graphics cards. From NVIDIA, basically all over again. I do have one of those, so maybe the future doesn't oh, look well for our You're going to smuggle it from in the dead of night or something. In the dead of night, dogs will be barking and somebody will be delivering Rob a CSLDD. That's how Rob got his graphics card, right? Somebody, uh, yeah, I mean, not human trafficking, but somebody got it at a third <laughs> location and drove it to you or some kind of shady uh well, it wasn't shady. I bought it for oh, a real business. Completely completely shady. Well, well, that takes all the steam out of it, Rob. It's supposed to be shady. Yeah. Let's, well, fine. It's supposed we'll to be a man in a trench coat with graphics card inside. Yeah, I, I picture spotlights and dogs barking and somebody crawling through the woods. And then someone driving a van with no windows. Yeah, and jumping in. In the middle of the woods. And Rob gets in the van. Well, I would absolutely get. <laughs> well, Rob always gets in the van, <laughs> especially if they're candy. The when the cho- tar- Rob Rob's a soft target. What can we say? But back to uh, sim racing equipment. Um, yeah, what were we saying? Um, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think Rob's going to get it, and he think, but he thinks the availability is going to be. Slim. Yeah, but either way, this is going to completely shake up the market for especially yeah. the lower end equipment. When does this go on sale? Does any did anybody see? I uh, I don't know. Let's. I would be interested. I want, I'm interested to see what the first person who does review videos who gets a hold of it. Well, they're going to get it out. So they're going to ship it in Q3 of this year. Pre-orders will open as soon as they have a reliable shipping date. So right now they basically don't really know, but third quarter, so probably in the fall. I would say I wonder if we could get somebody from Fanatec on to talk about it, uh, which is possible. Uh, but I'd love to hear from one of the YouTube, a well-known YouTube reviewer, or somebody once they get it. We'll have to keep an eye yeah. on that. Well, I know I, I get them on to try to to talk about it because yeah, it's I, such a price difference. Yeah, I know. I'm not that is... big, I'm not the big tech guy here, but the price difference alone makes me wonder what's what are the differences going to be. I mean, I obviously you guys probably have a good idea of what they're what they probably will be, but it's interesting to me. Oh yeah, it, it's I I can't wait. I don't know. Let's just have them on the show and then they can send us. Yeah. Fanatec, yeah come on. There you go. Come on. I mean, of course, if we have somebody from Fanatec on, they're going to say nothing but good things. I want to keep it real. I want somebody yeah. that's not on Fanatec's dime to come on here and tell us what the deal is. Send us well, a few, then we'll try them. Yeah, there you go. Send us a few. <laughs> send us a few. Yes. Or, or maybe Thrustmaster yeah. will send us something and we'll love them. We're, Willing to share. What did you What did you say, Rob? Uh, before whoever puts the money in in our panties, will <laughs> well, you're really you're really dumbing it okay. down. But well, <laughs> no, it was, it was from the office, and it was more or less saying like, "I'm a loyal person, but I would go wherever they respect loyalty the most." <laughs> Jesus, Tyler, that escalated. Rob made that line before. That's not my line. That's Rob's line. Yeah, I did much more elegant. That's risque, time. Rob. Rob's yeah. very risque. So I'll read off some uh, some points about this. This might answer your question, Tyler. Um, so it said, uh, so it comes with kind of carbon fiber composite axis. This increases responsiveness and acceleration a lot. 
Um, it comes with the patented flux barrier technology, flux al- barrier. allowing ex- exceptional efficiency. Uh, yes, it is built by robots, and this increases the quality and lower, lowers the cost. Robots. So human hands have not touched this product. Uh, what? Yes, it's real. We had some fun for April Fool's, but indeed have developed an all-new direct drive wheelbase for $350. Uh, bringing this advanced technology to the CSL series uh, took more effort than cutting a podium base in half, which is in fact what it looks like. Um, they said it's nothing other than a complete game changer. There's little doubt that direct drive wheels are far superior to any belt or gear gear driven wheels out there. Basically what me and you have Tyler and Rob. Uh, yeah, I, so, have I have a gear wheel. Mine's the low tech. Yeah. So this is providing it to the mass markets without taking shortcuts in quality or performance. So basically they're, they're coming out and saying that if you bought a CSL 2.5 yesterday, then fuck you. You're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, it's still a good wheel. Don't get me wrong. I'm, did, I'm not going to give mine is, up anytime soon. It, but is it a good wheel? Did robots make it? I, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's fantastic. I'm not going to, I'm not looking to replace it. I mean, I've not had my hands on a direct drive. So, I mean, as soon as I try that, yeah, I'm going to want one. But uh, my my suggestion is, Tyler, you purchase this and review it for us. And then I'll use it when I visit you. And you can use mine. And we can kind of do a crossover review of this of these products once they yeah. come out. Yeah. And the problem that will come with that is, uh, obviously, I can't clamp it to my desk, right? No, you have to mount it, hard mount it in some way. There's absolutely no way to clamp this product. From what that's, I can tell. that's, yeah. Can I? Can we get a direct drive for this, us desk clampers, please? Oh, it would shake your desk <laughs> in pieces. You mean my big lots desk? I mean, look at the picture that? of this. This thing is literally a motor designed to turn things like that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. Well, let me ask. Did you put your desk I put together? Put it together, Tyler? and it's from Big Lots, Rob. What do you have against uh, Big Lots desks, Rob? What'd they do to you? I never say anything about the desks. I think it's more of your storied poor craftsmanship. Yeah, it's the, uh, well, you're knocking the wafer board desk, like the particle board desk that just collapses, just flakes away. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's not and how well wide. did you put that together again? What'd you say? How well did you put that together? Uh, better than other furniture that's particle board that I have. I have a, so to my left, I have a bookshelf uh, that is particle board that I had to put together, and it is leaning against the wall, and that is one of the few things holding it up. It's certainly not the structural integrity of the bookshelf. To my right, there is a TV on a TV stand that is supposed to have doors on the uh, shelf part, and it doesn't because I couldn't figure that out. Uh, and, And you guys wonder why I'm so nervous about buying and potentially trying to put together my own rig. This is exactly why. I don't follow directions well, and I get very impatient when that occurs. And that's why I clamp my wheel to a desk, because I can follow step one, lift wheel from ground. Step two, place wheel on desk. Step three, tighten two clamps and proceed to race. I can do that. Hmm. So you're going to need like the equivalent of like those tents that you can just pull up with one string and it just like goes up. You're going to need like a one move rig yes i i need a direct drive wheel that i can clamp to my desk and the desk won't immediately collapse when i wreck or you need to buy a completely made rig already sent to you where you don't have to do a damn thing you just nailed it patrick that's exactly what i want where you're gonna have to spend six thousand dollars to do that 
I'm, I don't know. I'm just well, throwing a number out. Bradley, yeah. what would you give me, or what would what would you rec- want me to pay you to load up your rig in the back of? A well, truck? that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know that my rig would work for direct drive, not without some reinforcements. Jesus, that's pretty serious. Um, we, I mean, this I could film some video for you. This in VR, I don't notice it as much, but it, I, I've got a little wireless mouse I bought. I set it on the little platform by my wheelbase, and on a, any track that takes a lot of of uh, takes a lot of force for the wheel, like if I'm in the Indy car or it's a track that's particularly challenging and has a lot of tight turns. Sometimes I'll take the VR headset off and the mouse is on the floor because it shakes. Now, I don't feel it while I'm driving. I can't really tell. But with DD, I, I think it would be unbearable. I think it would be a problem. You would lose some fidelity because you, do, you when you when it shakes, it's taking away some of the input and it's kind of dampening it while it shakes. So you don't have a, it's not like a solid base. Um, so it works for me. I mean, it's not giving me problems. I, I have no issues with the combination I have now. But I would certainly get something similar to what like Bruce has, something that's made of that what is it eighty twenty aluminum or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, I would. You've got to get yeah, dirty. Yeah, you've got to get something like that for a direct drive wheel. Otherwise, you're and, wasting your money. Why buy it? And you need something with a special clamp for that wheelbase too. Oh yeah, just we'll just screw it onto the thing. Yeah, I just want somebody to come mount. build it for me, or or like Patrick said, build it. And They'll do it. Uh, it to me fully built. Look at uh, SimWorks. Now it probably cost you more money than the thing itself to ship it to you in Ohio, but um, so just sell me your rig completely built, Bradley, and then build your own. Other sure. Rig. How are you going to get it up there? Rent of a truck. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's not. I spent for the for the GT. Uh, GTR rig that I have, I mean, it was three hundred and some, three fifty. So it was about the price of the, uh, for the price of this new DD, and for the rig that I have, you could get what I spent just almost for my wheelbase. But so would you part? Would you sell me your rig fully built for three hundred dollars? No. Three fifty. No. Four hundred. No. We're gonna keep doing this. Four fifty. Yeah, yeah four fifty because that's a hundred dollars labor. To put that 450 and then the wheel is 550 for the direct drive no 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 it's 350 for the rim and for the base no not for the rim just the base you'd have to buy the rim which if oh, you Jesus want Christ. if you want the one i have it'd be about 300 yeah that's i'm telling you fanatex that's why so i'm looking at like a thousand dollars and I'm yeah go. yeah i bought the i spent 300 oh, and some God. on my pedals i spent 300 on my wheel rim bmw rim and i spent 500 and some Almost six hundred on the base. I spent well over a thousand dollars on it all. Well, good for you. So Fanatec, yeah, it's a feather in my cap. But That's I did it over time. You know, I did it. I kind of spaced the purchases out. I bought uh, the the pedals in the summer. I bought the cockpit rig, whatever you want to call it, in the fall. And then I got the base and the rim, which were the two most expensive parts for Christmas. So I kind of spaced it out. And that's how I would recommend doing it. You've got your pedals from Fanatec. So now you need, I would say, get the rig next so you can do everything, mount the pedals, use the G29. And then after the rig, you know, get get the rig over the summer or get it now. And then for maybe around Christmas or in the fall, whatever. Get get some, get all those things spaced out like that. Finish with the, uh, the wheel rim and the base. Yeah. So that's my uh Not a bad strategy. I mean, yeah. 
if I were going to draw it up in a playbook, that would be the way I I'd play it. Yeah, yeah that's exactly the way I did it, and that's that's probably the best way. Well, to that's do it. Uh, correction. That's the way you're going to do it again because I'm going to be poaching your equipment that's already built and tested, and you're going to buy new equipment. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> uh, just pull the damn trigger already and so buy something. Financials. That's one part. That's the sim racers conundrum. If you're not well to do, um, but then the te- the building the the rig I I just illustrated for you, and I think you can see why I'm not the good candidate for putting one of these things together. It's not that hard. It's I wouldn't think that this damn Big Lots desk was hard, but it was hard for me. And uh, and I'm just being I'm just being open and honest with that. I am not a put together person. I would help you if I could. Well, come on down, Patrick. All right. Fuck it. Put it together. You got to order it. <laughs> got to uh, order it. Speaking of, of, well, that's not really a good segue, but uh, if you look at intotheapex.com, uh, uh, we've got a new little section on there. I want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's called On the Road. And this works. This is on your desktop. You won't see this if you're on your phone and you go to the website. So look at this on a laptop or a PC. Uh, but if you hover over on the road, you'll see a link. You click on that, you'll see our schedule. And uh, it's not updated as I talk right now, but it's about to be updated because I'm going to mention right now uh, that we're going to add a third date confirmed right now. Uh, I will be at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course on... The hell's the date? <laughs> I have it pulled up and I don't see it anywhere. It's in May. It's like May twenty fourth, right? I uh, might be even sooner. May fourteenth and sixteenth. Oh yeah, yeah. So May sixth. I will be there on Sunday, May sixteenth at Mid Ohio for the Acura Sports Car Challenge, the IMSA race. I will be there for the Sunday feature. Uh, I think that includes the Mazdas, uh, the prototype prototype challenge in the morning. Then in the afternoon, the Acura Sports Car Challenge, the main IMSA event. Uh, so I'll be there most of the day. I'll probably get there early in the morning, and uh, we'll do some recording for Into the Apex uh, live from Mid-Ohio uh, Circuit. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I just got that lined up a uh, couple of nights ago this week. Uh, so that's going to be added to our on-the-road schedule. Uh, so I'm looking forward to doing some track walking or grounds walking. Uh, and talking to, to you guys live from the track. Uh, and then Bradley and possibly me, I don't know yet if I'm going to make it down, but I possibly will be there. I think I will be traveling that week uh, to North Carolina. Um, but on June 5th, Bradley and probably John Diekman, who we'll have on the show at some point, uh, who's a part of our crew. Is, is John going? I haven't spoken to him. He's mentioned that. that he wants to go, so possibly I say, but... Uh, I know at least you, Bradley, you'll be reporting uh, and on scene at Virginia International Raceway for the Fanatec GT World Challenge America. Uh, and that's going to be cool. That's going to be a good experience because you'll be watching a uh, some good GT4 cars uh, racing. Uh, so we've got some dates GT, coming up this GT3. GT3. Okay, correct. I stand corrected. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. And I hope to be there as well, but uh, Bradley for sure will be there for Into the Apex. Um, so if you're going to any of these events or you're in the area, uh, let us know on the Reddit. Uh, go to intotheapex.com. Uh, the Reddit is linked there. Reddit uh, r forward slash into the apex. 
post up that you're going uh, or whatever the case is and, and and we'll figure out a meetup we'll have a drink as we like to do on Friday nights here um, but those are just some of the events we hope to announce more and of course the big extravaganza that we've already mentioned uh, January 29th through the 30th and probably half of that week or so will be on the scene uh, the 2022 Rolex 24 at Daytona uh, a big crew uh, the whole into the apex crew uh, will be making that trip. Uh, and uh, like I said last time, we're looking at, at venues to do some recording, whether it's could be a public, preferably a public place, a sports bar, something like that. Uh, or possibly it could just be on the boring side of things, a hotel uh, conference room or something like that. So uh, plenty of time to come for that. We'll be announcing some more information, but uh, we've got some hopes to go to some more events. We're hoping the Charlotte Roval, we can add to that. Um I would love to go to Coda this year. We'll see about that. Um, Rob, I don't know about the Canadian Grand Prix. I, I think that's, I don't know if Canada is going to have it. I feel like I read something that it's not happening, but it's, uh, it could have been canceled like within the last couple of days for all I know. And I just never got an update, but it, it's not looking promising. Like Probably even, not. Yeah. Like those provinces are having really bad COVID outbreaks. Like even just a, across the water here is bad. So it's even worse over there. I can't see it happening. Yeah. So hopefully maybe in 2022, we can, we can all meet up in Montreal with Rob and he can show us the ropes and speak some French for us. You know, the typical, uh, because his name is Gregoire. It's not Gregory. Not it's not Gregory. It's Gregoire. Gregoire. It's not not Gregory. It's not. I will. When I spell it, I always tell myself quietly in my head, Gregoire. That's how I spell it. That's how I know. It's Gregoire. Gregoire. So you're going to speak French in Montreal for us, basically. Um, You're going to be our Jacques Villeneuve. Or Giles Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve. Um, Jesus Christ. Classless. But yeah, into the apex.com. Take a look at it. uh, Because we're going to be, and for those of you not going, we're going to give you uh, a taste of the the scenery at these circuits. Uh, Oh, the other one... uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's another one. I was, mentioned, I was about to mention that and interrupt you, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. If, if I can swing it with the cost of Daytona probably being around that time, because um, we would need to finalize the plans for Daytona probably well before then, but that's going to be right. in October, November. Um, if I can swing it, I'm, I'm thinking about Petit Le Mans also, because that's I would love, fairly yeah. close. And I've Sounds got like some, a good fall good, vacation for me. I might yeah, be with come, come on down. I've got a good uh, launching point uh, to get to Atlanta, actually. Yeah. Yeah, Atlanta. So, uh, love Atlanta. Had a good. We've had a good time down there. Uh, I think Road Atlanta is it's one of my top tracks. Uh, and then Road America. At some point, we've got a Patrick. You're up there by Road America. Yep. Uh, possibly, I might look into doing something there. But you know, well, let's got to see what. I have to look at their schedule. I know they have IMSA coming there. They have NASCAR Cup Series going there for the first time ever. So. Uh, and I think that's the 4th of July weekend. So, Yeah, and that could be a, a twofer that weekend. If you can manage to get on scene at Road America, Patrick can be our guy on the ground up there. And uh, I may, depending on how things go at the Acura Sports Car Challenge, 4th of July weekend, I've got IndyCar at Mid-Ohio, which is not far from me. So I may go back for the IndyCar race at Mid-Ohio. Uh, so we'll see. I hear great things about the track. Uh, being pretty for these very significant series and racing it's i I hear it's pretty 
uh, what's the word? I don't want to say old stuff. Old school is not the phrase. No, very local seeming. Uh, very humble. The garage area is very low tech and simple. Uh, I know where it's at. It's not in a massive city or anything like that. Um, pretty much exactly like VIR. Right. That's what I get. Of the VRR, the sense I get from VIR as well. It's very, very low, low key. Uh, so it's perfect for, for somebody to go walk around and get an experience. Uh, so I'll let everybody know if you've never been, I'll give you the feel of it. Uh, because, oh, yeah. Give us, uh, give us a, uh, a working review of it. Right. Yeah. I'm locked in. Tickets are purchased. Uh, passes are purchased. So uh, we're, I'm in and uh, tried to get Bradley to come up to join me on the scene. But either way, I'll, he'll be remote and I'll be on the ground and we'll be doing some walk and talk. Uh, do a little walk around of the uh, public part of the circuit and we'll we'll see what we can see, see if we can hear anything and let you in on it. Uh, but I'm really excited about that. We're looking to, to build that up here on the, on the podcast, take it on the road, uh, get as many of us together as we can. But even if one or two of us can get together at some good tracks and good races, uh, then we're going to start to build a presence out there uh, and hopefully meet some people that can make it to the races here in North America. And uh, I think we've teased it before uh, into the Apex 2023 at Le Mans. We're, we're projecting in the future what we'd like to do. And uh, I think that's something on our minds is uh, crossing off these major events. Uh, we don't, we, we aren't subtle. We're going to go all out. We're going to plan big because if we yeah, don't, that's not going to happen. That's, that's our way. That's how Mad Sim Racing started. We didn't want to just, you know, form a group of guys that are like, yeah, yeah, we, we run together every once in a while in the, just the major races and we don't really do much between and there's no real structure or organization. I mean, we wanted to build something substantial and make a community out of it and find like-minded people. And I mean, here we are. And we're all sports people. We're sports fan we, and fans. And we, so we want the tailgate. So, so I think we've all got the goal of a big tailgate at, at some of these races. Uh, Indy 500 also, I would love to do. Uh, Patrick, you and I are probably the closest to the Indy 500. Um I, I heard actually today I was having a conversation with somebody about, I don't even know how it got onto racing, but uh, they pointed, they said something about Indy, Indianapolis for the Indy 500. They were letting in a ton of fans. I re- Honestly, I haven't even done the research on that, but uh, I think it's possible because it's massive and the, and the stands are massive. Yeah. Um, but I would love to go to Indy. I've, I've actually plotted out. I, I know I said on, I think the last episode or before last episode, uh, I've already started plotting uh, on Google Maps around Daytona for next year. Uh, I have done the same in Indianapolis for the Indy 500 uh, because uh, I think we've we've discussed a fantasy idea of having a little golf tournament round at the golf course that goes through Indy uh, on one day of the week and then watching a race that weekend. Um, don't know how feasible that is because it's probably a busy re- week at that track and you probably can't get out there and book a tea time. But uh, on the list of fantasy getaway weeks uh, for racing, that's not a bad plan or itinerary to have right there. Uh, there's a couple breweries that are right next to the Delara uh, headquarters or office or facility that's right next to the circuit. And I couldn't think of a better place to do some podcast recording. So, uh, I mean, the sky's the limit if you start to think about what you could do. But uh, I just wanted to share with everybody kind of where we're, what we're thinking, uh, because we're growing and 
people seem to be liking what we're doing and uh, we couldn't appreciate it more and couldn't be having more fun. I mean, this is uh, just the uh, epitome of, of everybody just hanging out, being a race fan, loving racing, trying to get as close to it as we can. So you're bringing a tear to my eye. I oh, just, just I'm touching everybody. Uh, I, I feel, I feel <laughs> touched. <laughs> I'm touching everybody. Whoa, wait now. <laughs> oh, wait. Thanks for pointing that out, Bradley. Bradley has a way of making everybody uncomfortable. Oh, I know you. He's you're getting too again. sentimental. I'm just saying we're all we're all in this together. <laughs> we're all in this together. Oh Jesus, that's I hate that saying. We're all in this together after this year. Teamwork makes the dream work. That's right. That's my that's my way of saying for about twenty minutes now. Go to intotheapex.com. Keep up with what we're doing. Join the Reddit uh, because uh, we're trying to build it up. It's it's work in progress, and it's it's we're having a great time uh, doing it. Um, I think I think that's about all we've got. I know F1 was last weekend, and uh, I chose Max Verstappen as my mega driver in the ITA Fantasy League, and I shot up to like eighth or ninth in the points. So I'm really pleased about that decision. I dropped Lewis Hamilton, which ultimately wasn't a bad idea. Uh, or I could have kept him because I thought when he wrecked, it was a good idea. But he's, of course, got his way, got very lucky and got back up there. Um, a little disappointed in the uh, Yuki Sonoda. I had him, and that didn't work out too greatly. Um, Fernando Alonso, I think I'll, I'll cut him as well. I'm not just not having, not very impressed with him. Anybody else have any significant F1 fantasy experiences? No. I tanked. I'll take that no, Bradley. You don't know what you're talking I, about. I have not looked at it nor touched it since uh, the first time I set the rankings. That's I a true competitor. N- I have no idea. Competitor should. Rob, did you take a look? Oh, I I, I look at it. Don't worry. I'm. Did, did you do well? Did you do I, poorly? I didn't do like terrible. I didn't do well, though. Like I'm right in the meaty part of the curb. Uh, there you go. Yeah. I've got Rob, a guy. The biggest takeaway, we were talking about this during the Grand Prix. Uh, Rob didn't make any changes, right? None. Rob is holding firm. I made a lot of changes. And I, I will admit, I play fantasy football year to year. And uh, I only really enjoy it when I'm always futzing with it. I need to be futzing around with it. I need to be picking people up to try and trades. I trade. I make just trades for the sake of making trades. Yeah, I, can I got I got to be playing with that. I can confirm that. Yeah, I got to be messing with it. I need to be. It's never right. Like the dumbest I need to trades. adjust. So I'm not one to just sit there and let it sit. That's why I'm not good. I'm not a good stock investor either. Because <laughs> there, there is no holding. There are consequences to these things. That's right. <laughs> I need to just mess with it. Says yeah. the owner of this fledgling enterprise. That's right. I need to always <laughs> the, the one that around. the one that adds a new uh, racing series and car every month. Right. Impulsive ideas need to be pursued in full. It's, it's a it's a man it's an Adderall fueled. <laughs> this this man is digging deep into the amphetamines. <laughs> I've got this idea. This idea. There's 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 multiple ventures, uh, all of them destined to fail. Uh, how many dot coms can I buy? <laughs> how many domain names can we register? That's right. Every every idea, all ideas, all at once, all the time. Tyler's the wolf of sim racing. 
<laughs> taking lines of cocaine until uh, everything crashes and burns. Look, don't don't paint that picture. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, we're we're dreaming big. You reach it's for all the fun. Struggle. It's all fun until you become Enron. <laughs> if until you become Team Redline. Let's throw oh, it back. Let's scathing. throw it back a few episodes now. Scathing takedown. That's right. You become so big, you don't think you're accountable for anything you do. And the answer is you're not, and nobody gives a damn. Yeah. Speaking of that, we have nothing. No updates. They are just completely radio silent, pretending like nothing happened. But anyhow, listen to that episode. Scroll, scroll back. <laughs> um, so that'll do it for episode thirty-one. Uh, we'll talk about our Nurburgring experience on episode 32. We'll see how it goes. Could be pretty, could be ugly, could be what, exactly what we expect it to be. Uh, so we want to thank Garrett Maines and Elliot Sadler Esports uh, for coming on and, and giving us uh, an idea of what it's like to be in the top tier. Uh, what an excellent spot uh, with Garrett. Uh, we're going to be following him in the Coca-Cola NASCAR Esports Series on iRacing. Uh, he is coming off a very strong P2 finish at Richmond. And uh, we'll see how he does at those road courses, Patrick. Uh, those seem to be kind of wild cards. Uh, I'm excited to watch those. Uh, so check all that out and uh, check out our show notes, into theapex.com, Reddit, into the Apex. Send us an audio message on the website there. Uh, and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Uh, but for Patrick, Bradley, Rob, myself, this has been Into the Apex. You've been listening to Into the Apex. Apex. Presented by Mad Sim Racing. Follow and join the team at madsimracing.com.